What are the marching orders for the modern church? There's nothing new here. The church today has exactly the same mission as the church of Peter, Paul, Augustine, etc. Go. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Could it be that too often the message of the church is come here and sit down? Welcome to another provocative episode of When Everything is Missions with Matthew Ellison and Denny Spitters. These two bring tons of real-world experience in paying attention to the Great Commission, so you'll want to lean in and listen to The Five Commissioning Statements of Jesus, because that's our title today, and we'll get rolling in a moment. But first, let me remind you that all these episodes are found where you get your audio, and you can also find a full library of information and instruction at whenevertheringismissions.com. Now, here's Matthew and Denny discussing The Five Commissioning Statements of Jesus. Greetings, this is Matthew Ellison, president of 1615, and I'm with my good friend and co-author, Denny Spitters, and welcome to the When Everything Is Missions podcast, season four. Hey, Denny, I want to start off today's podcast with a quiz. that okay, okay. with you? <laughs> good. Did you like pop quizzes when you were growing up, by Not the way? really, as you could tell. I'm a little hesitant, but yeah, I'm all in. <laughs> okay. Let's go for it. All right, here we go. On how many different occasions... Did Jesus give the Great Commission in the New Testament? Now, this is not a trick question. On how many separate occasions do you suppose Jesus gave the Great Commission in the New Testament? Yeah, actually it was five, but someone say some say four. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Some say four. And the reason they say four is because Mark 16, 15, according to some Bible scholars, has a questionable place in the yep. canon. But then we have a problem. Our ministry's name, 1615, after Mark 1615. So I'm going to say it's five, okay? And the reason Bible scholars contend that this shouldn't be part of the canon is because the last portion of Mark is where we read about drinking deadly poison and handling snakes. After 16.8. That's right. Everything following. That's right. right. But see, no matter how you feel about the last portion of Mark 16, I don't think you can argue with the essence of verse 15. Go into all the world, preach the good news to all creation. Yeah, and... uh, if you look at Mark anyway, he brings this up pre-death um, of Christ, right. where Jesus says in uh, Mark 13, 10 and 14, 9, preach the world, uh, go into all the world. So it's emphasized in every gospel. So, yes, I'm going to say five because, again, I don't want to have to <laughs> rename our ministry. Five. Okay, it's five. I want to support you here, bro. Thank you, brother. Okay. So five commissioning statements that Jesus gives. Now, I want people to really pause them, and I'm going to share something, and I want them to feel the gravity of this. Hmm. This is really important, okay? Five times, and the reason it's important is because after the resurrection, prior to the ascension, Scripture records that Jesus appeared to his disciples many times, and he taught them many things. But brother, he only returned to two themes more than twice. The resurrection— Yep. I have fulfilled all that was prophesied about me. Look no further. I'm alive. And it's number me. two, it's me. And number two, the Great Commission. Yes. Go. And again, I want people to feel the weight of this, okay? Uh, think of deathbed words. When someone's on their deathbed, they don't bring acquaintances to the bedside to shoot the breeze. They bring their closest friends and family members. And the words they speak are words of substance. There's no time for frothy, frivolous talk, right? Well, Jesus wasn't dying. He'd already done that. Yeah. He'd also risen from the dead, but he was leaving. He was going to ascend to the Father. He was going to leave physically. And 
we have this account of the only thing that he went to repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly was the resurrection and the Great Commission. Yes. That is significant. These were the marching orders of Jesus Christ. So, Dave, would you take a minute and just walk us through those five commissioning statements? Give us some meaning and let us know why it's so significant. Yes. Uh, again, these were progressive. They were incremental. So they happened in uh, a sequential way. But when we read the Bible, because the Gospels are synoptic or parallel one another, it's easy to get them out of order, so to speak. Right. We don't think, well, when did he appear first, etc. Mm-hmm. And uh, when he first appeared to his 10 disciples was in John twenty twenty one, And uh, each one of these, I'm going to point out, has a specific mandate. Mm. So he is really kind of developing progressively what he's trying to get them to understand. One more thing I think is important for us to remember, and it's this. These disciples were... They were scared. They, they <laughs> were right. freaked out. That's right. They were traumatized. Mm-hmm. They didn't know what to think, and they were confused. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus is going to give them time over 40 days, and he's going to communicate clearly. So John twenty twenty one. the whole idea is the Father has sent me, so send I you. I'm not going to read the, all of these passages, but Jesus was giving them the model. Right, the model. And what was the model for missions. As the Father has sent me, so send I you. That's right. How was he sent? Well, he was sent, uh, he said, to obey the Father's voice yeah. and to do what he told me to do. Right. And along with that, what happens? Well, he dies. That's how the Father sent him, that's to right. die, that's right. to give his life a ransom for many. So that's the model. And, and so the implications for us are, as Christ was an intimate fellowship with the Father, obedient to his plan, which was to lay down his life, so send I you. We should be in intimate relationship with Jesus and the Father and the Spirit. Yes. And we should be prepared to lay down our lives for this cause in the world, right? Exactly. So uh, the next one in sequence is Mark 16, 15. Uh, now there's 11 disciples there. Yeah. And uh, it's go into, all, well, who's the 11th? The guy that finally comes back, I want to see the palm prints. I yeah, want to see the Thomas. nail prints. Right. I want to see the... So um, the focus of this one is go into all the world and preach the gospel to the whole creation. This is the magnitude of how big this commission is. I don't believe that everything is um, Matthew... Um, 28, 18 to 20, and everything else falls under it. Mm -hmm. These are interconnected and support one another really well. So Jesus is giving the magnitude. How large is it? John 3, 16. Right. The whole world, all of creation. The whole world, all of creation. Hey, Denny, let's unpack something here that you uh, alluded to a minute ago, and that is they were confused, didn't know what was going on. I, I think this account in Mark is significant because in verse 14, it says, he rebuked them for their hardness of heart yeah. and their unbelief. And then he says, go into all the world, preach the good news to all creation. It says they doubted, you know? And right. so, again, we know that Thomas no longer doubted that there was a physical bodily resurrection. He was now convinced. I believe they all trusted that he was who he said he was. But nevertheless, they they had doubts. They were confused. And Jesus gives the great commission to doubters. And what's so important about that is not what it says about them 
it's what it says about him. He uses frail, feeble instruments to do his yep. work, right? Absolutely. So yep. I just love that. He he says, go as my representatives into this mission, even though you don't have it all figured out. Correct. Isn't that great? Yeah, but he paints the reality of what it is. Yes. He wants the whole world. That's not right. my backyard, not my, you know, that's just part of how big this commission is. Yes. The next time he meets on a mountain with these disciples, and we're going to look at the method. What was the method? Sequentially, it's Matthew 28, 18 to 20. The Great Commission is what it's known right. as. So here we have a, the all of the disciples. Make disciples of all nations is the focus. Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, uh, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. So you have the method defined, mm-hmm. the whole piece. How big is it? Uh, what the model is, how we're supposed to be moving forward is drawn specifically into Matthew 28. And here's what the cool thing is about this. Matthew is really the book of discipleship right. for those of us who are followers of Jesus. And Matthew was looking at uh, telling us what it meant to be a disciple, what the cost mm-hmm. was of being a disciple, how to live our lives as disciples. And Matthew 28 All threads of discipleship lead to this moment. Go and make disciples of all nations. And that's significant. Absolutely. And because before, what was the call to the to uh, those who were followers of uh, who God was? It was come ye. Yep. Yeah, come to right. Jerusalem. Uh, exactly. Jerusalem was God's beacon of light and glory, his representation on earth. They were to reflect his glory. And the nations were going to hear about his great hand, his mighty outstretched arm, as he did his wonders through his people. And it was a call to the nations to come ye. And now, in the New Testament era, the church age, we are called to go ye, take the gospel to the nations. Yeah. So, a whole new paradigm. Yes. This is the model. It's go. Yeah. Let's talk about this really quickly. Let's pause on this one for a second, okay? (laughs) Our model of ministry and the Great Commission is come. Yes. Come to church. So often. Come. You know, yeah. the attractional model. And I'm not saying we shouldn't be attractive people. We should live a lifestyle that makes people go, what makes you tick? Where'd you get your hope from? So don't right. get me wrong. Okay. We should do things to make a church a hospitable place. But the mandate is not come to church. Right. The mandate is go and tell the nations, right? Yep. Absolutely. Uh, we have two more. Okay. And the next one is Luke 24, 44 to 49. And the core of this piece is the message. The message. What are we supposed to go and tell people? And here is the essence of the gospel. It's the whole idea that we are to talk about repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be preached to all peoples, all nations. Two things, repentance and forgiveness of sins. That's not a popular message, but Jesus was making it very clear that that was the message that he wanted. That's what he wanted brought to the world. Yeah, repentance and remission of sins preached to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Let's also tease something out of that passage that I think is very significant. He appears to the disciples in the upper room. He's got a glorified body. I mean, I, I like to think about being a fly on the wall for that Bible study. He just shows up, right? This happens many times in those appearances. He just shows up and he gives them a Bible study and he teaches this message, repentance and remission of sins preached to all nations. 
And it says earlier, he opened up their minds to understand the scriptures. So he opens up the disciples' minds, the apostles' minds, and he gives this teaching about the Great Commission. And I often ask people, well, where do you suppose he went to in the scriptures to teach them that repentance and remission of sins was for all nations? Well, did he take them to the Gospels, Denny? Uh... (laughs) (laughs) Of course not. The the epistles weren't written. He took them to the Old Testament. In fact, uh, Luke tells us he took them to the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. And this is really important because he uses the Old Testament to show that God's plan all along was to redeem worshipers from every nation, tribe, and tongue. I think that's really important, the tie to the Old Testament from the Luke passage. Yes. And, you know, these things happen again in a sequential manner over 40 days of time after his resurrection until his ascension. And that's where the very last one comes. It's one that everybody is familiar with at some level. And uh, this is actually on another mountain. There's kind of some interesting things here. Three of them were given in Jerusalem. Two of them were given on mountains. Mm. One in a mountain in Galilee and the other one right now, the last one on the Mount of Olives, Mm. the place that he says he will come back to someday. So again, he says, you and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And so often people, they zero in on one thing. What do they normally zero in on? Jerusalem. Yeah, the whole idea that this is the place, yeah. it's the where. But the core of this commission is all about the means. Yep. In fact, here's a group of men that are, have been told, you're going to go to the ends of the earth. That's my commission. You're going to tell them repentance and forgiveness of sins. And they're like, ah. And now he tells them how that will be made possible. You will receive power. power. And we know from reading the account, that when that happened, they were changed men and women. That's right. They were baptized with the Spirit. This is important to draw out of this one too, Denny. Power to be witnesses. Martis. That's where we get our word martyr from. Power to lay down our lives for what? To be witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Denny, address this idea of and, and, and versus then, 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 please. Sure. The passage says Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the some interpretations, different ones, to the ends of the earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole idea is today we have people saying, oh, you know what? He's telling them to start in their hometown, mm-hmm. start in Jerusalem, and then go from there. And then when they kind of do that there for a while. Get it figured you know, out. Yeah, they'll figure it out. And when you're successful there, go to your Judea. And, yep. and, then, and then when you're really good there mm-hmm. and you've really done a lot, then go to your Samaria and someday get to the parts, the ends of the earth, yeah, the right. ends of the earth. Right. And the whole idea here is this idea that it's a sequential process right. and that it's a sequential activity in missions. And David Garrison points out that he calls this the heresy of sequentialism. The whole idea that people interpret this text to mean uh, I start in Jerusalem, mm-hmm. then I go to Judea, then Samaria, then the ends of the earth. He says, look, it, the passage doesn't say that. Yeah. It's and, and, and. Mm-hmm. It's a simultaneous connection 
to the nation. Simultaneous connection. That is really important. Uh, the Great Commission is not multiple choice. You know, you don't get to pick one of those and say, this is where I'm right. going to focus. It's simultaneous activity. And the, the conjunction there, small Greek word, te, it means connection both also. Yes. So every church, every believer can be a part of making disciples in their context, but also simultaneously be a part of God's plan in reaching the uttermost parts of the of earth. Of course, many of the things that we hear today is everybody's a missionary and you're on a mission in your own backyard. Yeah. Just concentrate on that. You start in your hometown. Jesus never said that here. Let me tell you why. Why? None of these men were from Jerusalem. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Every single one of them were from Galilee. Right. In fact, the only the only disciple that wasn't was Judas. He was from Judea, mm-hmm. and uh, we know his end after uh, he betrayed Christ. So you have these men. That, he says, go to Jerusalem. What? <laughs> no way. Jerusalem is the hotbed of tension and turmoil. Mm-hmm. And after all that you just did, and now you came back from the dead, yeah. you're going to send us there? No way. Yeah. I ain't going there. And what we see here is he said, no. And you will receive power after the Holy Spirit. So, and here's one more thing to consider. Jerusalem was an international city. Multi-ethnic trading place. Bingo. Yep. And what happened in the Jewish world? Jews from all over the world. All over the world would come to worship. All come to worship. So we know that. If we look carefully at this, we see that Jesus had a specific plan in mind. He wanted to launch the church into the nations, the panta ta ethne. That's right. And again, I think the significance of this, if you're listening to this, consider with us again that six weeks we have these recorded appearances, Denny. Six weeks. And many Teachings were given in that six-week period, but only two were repeated more than twice. That's a very powerful thing. You know, these are the marching orders of Jesus Christ to his church to reach the nations. And they are as binding upon us today as they were when they were first spoken, especially because there remain 7,000 nations, people groups that still lack access to the gospel. Well, and it's sad today in our context, we talked about this, and I think in a previous podcast, but 51% of Christians in churches today mm. don't know what the Great Commission is. Never heard of it. That's right. And of the rest that do, the 49%, about 37% say, yes, I know what it is when given five uh, scriptures, one of which is the Great Commission. So we got a problem. And the problem is, is we don't know our Bible now. If you want to say, well, they just didn't recognize it because, you know, not everybody who calls it the Great Commission. Well, okay, yeah. we're not going to fight about that, sure. right? Why, yeah. why should we fight about that? We'll call it the final command, sure. call it the last words, call it whatever you want. But when we don't pay attention, yeah. To the last words of Jesus, the summation of what he is saying, what he is teaching, the reason why he's appearing, how he's revealing the scriptures. It happens throughout his appearances. And he opened their eyes to the scriptures. And then, boom, he gives the commissioning statements. Right. And he shows them, again, referring to that Luke passage, which you just surfaced, he shows them 
that this passion to see worshipers called out from all nations was in the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament. In the old, it was come ye, okay? Right. But in the new, in the church age, it is go ye. But all along, this has been the passion of God to redeem for himself a worshiping people from every nation, every tribe, and every tongue. So here's the thing. Do we not often pray, Jesus, make me like you? Hmm. God, I want to be like you. I, I imagine many listeners, if they're listening to this podcast, I trust they're interested in Jesus. And they probably often pray, God, make me like you. Well, here's the thing. If you want to be like God, the things that are central to his character, to his nature, they're central to Bible. They're these repeated themes when Jesus was um, on earth last for that six-week period. Yeah. Those things cannot be marginal to us. Central to his heart. Central to his heart, and yet they're marginal to his people. Hmm. If we want to be like our Father, if we want to be like Christ, then we need to make the Great Commission more central to our prayer life. Um, man, I'm preaching to myself, brother. Okay. Yeah. I want my pocketbook Mm-hmm. To read like a love letter to Jesus. Yeah. You know, that this burning ambition of his to call out worshipers, that it's evident in how I give, in my communication, in my prayer. So I, I'm thinking of uh, the gathering in Amsterdam 2000, hmm. where the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association gathered barefoot evangelists from all over the world to train and equip them. They had a kind of a tagline for that event. I don't know if you remember it. Do you remember it, Denny? Uh, you're pop quizzing me again. I no. am. Let's make his last command our first oh, priority. Oh, that's great. Love that. Right. You know, I, I, I don't know that we've done this before, I, I, but I don't know why if we haven't. I just sense that we ought to pray right now, you Brother. know, and ask the Holy Spirit Please. to really speak to hearts. And, Absolutely. And to speak to us. Uh, to let loose of the things that we hold so onto so tightly in this yes. life. Jesus, yes. thank you for what you did. Father, we pray to you first because you devised the plan out of love and out of a purpose that we might come to know you and to know the one true, holy, and righteous God, that, that our past would be cleansed from sin, that repentance and forgiveness of sins would come to us. God, burden us with what burdens you. Break our hearts for what breaks your heart. Yes. Father, we ask that as you sent Jesus, we would come to know what it means to be sent as you have sent him, and that we would emulate the model of Jesus to be those who would go out and go forward. Father, we know that your your goal was that the whole world would come to know your son. And uh, we pray that as you are giving us the opportunity, especially in the day and age we live in, to actually be able to even reach so much of the world through travel and technology and communication and tra- and ways that we can be places God, speak to the hearts of people, and might we obey you for what's coming. And Lord, we pray that we would seek to make disciples of all nations. And Lord, that in that process, it would be about discipleship, not about converts. But Lord, as you pray, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. 
And Lord, thank you that you have not left us alone, that you have not left us powerless, but you have given us the Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would be speaking to the hearts and lives of people who are listening to this, and you would tell them how they are to obey you in the process of the Great Commission. So, Lord, there are so many ways, so many roles, so many opportunities in the day and age we live in, from sending to welcoming to going um, to giving, Lord, to to mobilizing. Mm -hmm. Lord, we pray Mm -hmm. that you will speak to people, whatever it is, and that they will obey and that we will hear from you because we are obeying this great commission. Well done. Someday, well done, thou good and faithful servant. So we ask you these things in the strong name of the risen Christ who is waiting to return and waiting to receive the rewards of his suffering in his name. Amen. Amen. So one final quote here from Hudson Taylor, pioneer missionary to inland China. The Great Commission is not an option to be considered, but a command to be obeyed. Yes. Hey, so join us next time. Danny, it's always good being with you, brother. Love it. Well, I sure hope that got your attention. You've been listening to Matthew Ellison and Danny Spitters as they take a 360-degree look at the Great Commission of Jesus and the five statements surrounding the commissioning of his followers. This has been an episode of When Everything is Missions. Matthew's the head of 1615, a missions coaching group and Denny is Vice President of Church Partnerships at Pioneers USA. As we close, make sure you have a copy of the book When Everything is Missions. It's an eye-opening look at how the church has diluted the strength of Jesus' command to take the gospel to every tribe and nation. Get a copy wherever you buy your books or from whenEverythingIsMissions.com. Back next time, check in then.